for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching across the world. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, oh, let's get ready to remember that guy. The Sports Podcast, where we mine our memories for nuggets of nostalgia about peripheral players past and present. And coming at you ringside, it's me, one of your hosts, James, flanked by my colleagues as always. Here with you again, Diaz. Some may have taken that as a Michael Buffer reference, but it's not. And we're going to learn more about that eventually. But for now, I want to kick it to another man who is not ready to suck it. That is, please introduce yourself, sir, special guest. <laughs> That's right. It's me, the very special guest, Xavier. Well, welcome once again, Xavier. <clears throat> I'm so, I'm sorry, guys. To be completely honest, I'm a little bit under the weather. You know, I got I got a bad case of March Madness. I got an even worse case of spring training fever. A mild touch of of NBA and NHL playoff push polio. So I'm just I'm I'm riddled with with athletic afflictions right now. I just yeah. It's, I wish we knew someone that made house calls. Wait, did you guys hear that? Now nah, was that? Wait, I, I swear, I just heard it again. My God, that is Mr. Medicinal's music. The oh doctor of goodness. The doctor of dank. Mr. What? Medicinal himself. God. He, is, he is stepping out right now into the intro. This is the, the visuals and the pyrotechnics that we're experiencing in this moment as he comes to the ring are absolutely unmatched. This is one of the greatest, like, just production value intros that I have seen in my life. I, I don't know about the two of you. I you are. Had this but please, the lion is here, sir. Explain to us, what are you doing here? Yeah, he's actually exiting exiting the ring now and, and coming ringside to the judges' table. Hey, miss, uh, we yeah, we got a fourth mic. Uh, hey, Mr. Medicinal, how's it going? Thank, thank you. Uh, I gotta say, your audience didn't see it, but I just came out there, stumped a mud hole in three of those security guards. All right, I want the guys listening here to know this. I want my title shot, okay? All right, WrestleMania is around the corner, and I want it, all right? Mr. Medicinal is going all the way. But you know what? For the time being, I can sit down here and talk a little wrestling with you guys, you know? That's what I could do, you know? Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining. And I just look real quick. Maybe we should talk about this offline, James. But we've spent all the money on Pyro, but we still don't have video yet. You uh, gotta I, have something to show the people before you start showing them. Like we 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 gotta yeah. make sure that the show we're putting on is worth any kind of documentation other than what they're listening to right now. Uh, Mr. Municipal, it's great to have you. I I think we might be able to give you a shot at the title later on. But Ooh. first, anyone making memories for you right now? Oh, yes, yes, they are. The person making memories for me right now is Randy Orton, right? RKL. This, yes, he is, I think he's in his, like, 18th or 19th year in the business, and he's still Holly. putting on quality matches. He did, recently on an episode of Monday Night Raw, a superstar did a moonsault off the top rope, and he caught him with an RKO. It takes a lot now after I've like watched wrestling most of my life for me to say holy fucking shit. But those were the words that I said when I saw that because it is it's one of those moves that like deceives the eyes, you know, and it doesn't make sense, but it makes here's, sense. Here's a question I have for you mm -hmm. because I remember my favorite RKO ever was Evan Bourne did his oh yes from the, the shooting road. star press into and the he caught yes. Him. Yeah. So how how did this RKO compare to the Evan Bourne RKO? Okay, so I have 
three greatest RKOs of all time. All Let's right. There's number three, which is the Evan Bourne one. Number two, which is the fucking, set... that one gets bronze. Hold on. Yeah. A second. You, okay. Can I explain why? Please, please. In terms of move difficulty, that's like number two. In terms of moment and when it happened, the number two one is at WrestleMania. The number two one is Seth Rollins. Like Seth Rollins loses that match, but wins WrestleMania. And that RKO is also one of those that deceives the eyes. Like he's going up for his signature finisher, gets launched in the air, gets caught. It's a big moment. And like this moonsault is number one, in my opinion. It, it, it's amazing. Just in terms of how long Randy Orton has been doing this, and how long, sorry, how difficult that move is to pull off and to still be engaged with the crowd when that happens, like the pop and the reaction that the, the people get, that, that is so sweet to see a genuine pop and reaction in today's rest. Anyway, yes, that is what's making memories for me today, that moonsault. Well, those, those, those crowd moments, I think, across all sports and all sports entertainment are what we live for, right? Yes. Like, my, my favorite sports memory personally, of all time, is being at Game 3 against the Raptors when Embiid did the windmill. And it was just a feeling that was in the air. It's it's beyond compare. And yeah. yes, the crowd adds to great moments. Absolutely. Yes, 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 they do. I'm not the best at keeping up at, like, the most up-to-date wrestling, but I appreciate this this update. Uh, let's, I mean, we can now tell you some of the things that are working for us. How about you, Diaz? Yeah. So, two things are making memories for me. First... As part of our weekly Sixers, how is Diaz feeling about them update? Feeling great about them. Feeling great. It's so funny that they lose to the Raptors at full strength, and it was perhaps the worst loss of the season. And then the very next night, sitting Joel Embiid and James Harden, they beat the number one seed Heat because Tyrese Maxey is a golden god. He's ascended. He was first my child. Somehow now he's also my father. He's my father and my child. At the same time, because I just can't believe how good this kid is. And he's growing up before our eyes. It's it's unreal. Like, when the season started, the objective was, let's see if Maxi can be a starter-level player, a starting-level player in the NBA. And now we're at the point where I think it's a very legitimate point to say that can he be the third star on a championship team? I think yes. Is he quite there right now? Maybe. He might be. Do you think he, do you think he pushes for an all-star spot next year? I think he's like a lock for all-star next year. I don't see how oh, he does uh, You think he's – okay. That's, that, that's something. There's a lot of really good players that I don't care. There's not, make the all-star team. Yeah, but honestly, the the West is, I think, a little bit heavier on the guards right at this moment. You You might not be entirely wrong. Well, here's what you also need to consider is that Philadelphia absolutely loves him and the fan vote is still a significant part of the starters. Like Tyrese Maxey has a very good chance. And in fact, James, this is continuing our education on takes. Tyrese Maxey, I guarantee, is going to be a starter in the All-Star game next year. 100%. 2023 All-Star game, Tyrese Maxey, starting point guard. I'm waiting for the part where you insult me. That's, I was told that was also crucial. And if you don't think Tyrese Maxey is going to be an all-star starter next year, you need to get up off the couch, walk around the house a little bit, get your blood flowing so some of it can make its way to your brain so you can realize how good this kid is and use your eyes and just watch him and appreciate his greatness. 
There you go. Good Thank job. You. You've you've listening. broken me down effectively. I appreciate that. I appreciate it's... that. You sell your athlete. That I want to buy stock at him now. You know, like that's already have Tyrese Maxi. Oh, I mortgaged the house on Tyrese uh, Maxi stock at Diaz's best. Diaz is my sports stockbroker. There is actually an app where you can like invest in players, and like if you want to invest in a rookie and wait. That's a ter- I should never get yeah. onto that. That's a terrible <laughs> thing for me to ever have any access to. Don't ever it. let me download that app in my entire life. I'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. So I wanted to obviously just state my adoration for Tyrese really quick. But I also wanted to say on the opposite side of it, I did mention the Sixers beat the Miami Heat and perhaps the greatest sideline altercation in years occurred last night when Jimmy Butler had just been getting roasted by Andrew Wiggins for about three, four possessions in a row. It was 50-50 at half. Wiggins just gets buckets, 60-50 to timeout at the start of the second half. They go to the bench and there's an angle where we can't see what Jimmy's saying. We very clearly can read Eric Spolster's lips, and he says, what, you think I'm going to fucking fight you? Then Udonis Haslam, Mr. Heat, dare I say. Dwayne Wade is Mr. Heat, but Udonis Haslam... No, Udonis Haslam is... Udonis Haslam is to Dwayne Wade as Manu Ginobili is to Tim Duncan. All right, one is clearly a greater player, but who is really more beloved in the in the fan base? It's it's a great question, and it's, it's not one that I'm positioned to answer because I'm not... That big of a Heat fan. I'm not a Heat fan at all. I actually fucking hate the Heat. Which is why this is so funny. But it was just incredible. So then Haslam comes in, basically at first saying, hey, we're not your enemy. We're not your enemy. And then Jimmy stands up. And I think Haslam says at least seven times in a row, I'll whoop your ass. I'll whoop your ass. And Kyle Lowry, first of all, from Philadelphia, he knows these kind of things never end well. He's just getting out of there real quick. He, ha- he wants nothing to do with it. Moses Moody from the Warriors wandered over into the fight at one point. Just kind of looked it was like a like a child that like walked in on their parents fighting for the first time. <laughs> very confused by what he was seeing. He's an innocent little rookie. And here's Eric Spolstra and Udonis Haslam about the tag team. It's a little foreshadowing again for you folks. Up on <laughs> up on Jimmy Butler. No, it was incredible. It was one of my favorite things I've ever seen. I loved it so much. And I just do, I do need to say, if Udonis and Jimmy fought, Udonis would whoop his ass. <laughs> Jimmy Butler would, would get his shots in, but I, yes, Udonis would. has a little bit. I would say Udonis wins it clean, but Jimmy Butler strikes me as a guy that has brass knuckles up in his trunks. You know, the kind of dude that kind of fights a little dirty to get an edge. So, like, but I he, give it, like, I'm thinking he a, goes, hey, look over there. He busts a big head coffee mug over his oh. head. Boom, like kind of thing, you know, like cheap shots. All, all, all of a sudden, a steel chair appears at center court. <laughs> I love when the Heat want to fight each other. I think it's hilarious. Heat culture, baby. Heat culture. It is fun. It I is love fun. it. Yeah, also, ironic that it's like the week where we meet Pat Riley's character for the first time in winning time. Yeah, supposed to think in our heads, oh, man, this guy's going to have such a great career. And then later that week, his team tries to beat each other up. Do you, like, do you think he, like, came down to the locker room afterward? Like, the godfather, like, oh, shit. Like, he only comes down when shit's really serious. But we love to see it. Heat are a fake one seed. They're not going anywhere in the playoffs. Yeah, speaking of people who love Pat Riley and the Heat, Xavier, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, I liked a version of Pat Riley in the time before the Heat. Uh, but... It's, yo, it's the same Pat Riley. It's always been the same Pat Riley. 
It, yeah, but then he became the Pat Riley that wasn't on the Knicks, so I could not like him anymore. Uh, but <laughs> get a couple things uh, I want that have been making memories for me. It is the last round of qualifying for the World Cup starting now. The USA plays in Mexico City tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern time. I am very stressed. Hopefully, by the time our audience listens to this on Monday, the U.S. will have qualified by getting a point in Mexico and beating Panama in Orlando on Sunday. But if they have not, and it goes down to having to get a result in Costa Rica on Wednesday, I might destroy my apartment in a fit of stressful rage. Uh, But enough about the U.S., because today we saw North Macedonia beat Italy in the UEFA World Cup qualifying playoff. This game was absolutely insane. Italy, the reigning European champion, who also had missed the World Cup in 2018, their first miss in 60 years, and so there was massive pressure on them to get back to the World Cup. Were fantastic in the Euros, beat England in, uh, in Wembley, and they had a pretty easy draw at home against North Macedonia, and it looked like it was going to be a, a winner-take-all game against Portugal next week. This game today, which was in Palermo, Italy, Italy had 32 shots in 66% of the possession to four shots for North Macedonia. The XG was 1.98 for Italy to 0.17 for North Macedonia. And in the 92nd minute of stoppage time, Alexander Tchaikovsky, who used to play for Palermo, scores a fantastic goal from 30 yards out to knock Italy out and send North Macedonia to the playoff final against Portugal for a chance to make their first ever World Cup. And I love when the Minnows do stuff like that, as long as it's not against the U.S., and it made me very happy. I didn't realize dude played for Palermo. That's an extra layer of it. He played for Palermo he, until 2019. Is he ever going to be allowed in the country of Italy again? Well, he plays in Saudi Arabia now, so I don't know if he would ever have to go back there. But still, pretty pretty cool for him to score in a stadium that he played for almost five years in. But I want to transition a bit from the men's side of things to women's sports. You all know how much I love women's sports. Uh, yesterday, Tobin Heath, had an incredible free kick assist to uh, Lot Wubbin Moy of the Arsenal women, who equalized in their Women's Champions League quarterfinal against Wolfsburg in the last minute, which was absolutely awesome. The reverse angle of the free kick is great because she fakes as if she's going to lift the ball in the air like a normal cross and just drives it right on the ground, right through the legs of all the Wolfsburg players, right to Wubbin Moy's foot who then just turns and fires. It was an absolute stroke of genius. And one of those kind of like set plays that you know that they've worked a lot on. It was really great to see it come off. It was so good that I have seen the goal that you two are talking about from yesterday. (laughs) You gotta say that like, as an Arsenal fan overall, the Arsenal women's team has kept me through some dark times in Arsenal history. And Tobin Heath is like amazing. Big props to the Arsenal women's team. They're like phenomenal. Vivian Medina is perhaps, no, no, not perhaps. She's the best player in the world, in my opinion. The things that she does as, does she play as a number nine in that team? Yeah, she she plays as a nine. Yeah. Uh, Her role's a little changed since Jonas Eideval took over this year. But I mean, she's 
fucking incredible. <laughs> Average yeah, she's amazing. Goal game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's impressive. And the last thing I wanted to briefly give a shout out to, which isn't women's sports, but it is women in sports. I read a fantastic article by G. Allen Taylor uh, in The Athletic earlier today, and it is about Florida's assistant athletic director, Katie Turner, who is 27 years old. Katie Turner went to the University of Alabama. She grew up in a big, big football household up in Buffalo, New York, and once she got to Alabama, she decided she wanted to help with recruiting, and she became a volunteer recruiter for Alabama. By the time that she was a senior, Nick Saban valued her opinion so much, he would have her give scouting reports over on recruits and whether or not she thought they were good enough to play for Alabama. She ended up working for the Bills after uh, college and then was brought to Louisiana Lafayette uh, by Billy Napier, where she worked for two years in their recruiting team. Poor Kirby Smart hired her away for Georgia's national title winning team this past year, where she was a major contributor. She is so good that Billy Napier, once he got to Florida after the end of the season, knew he had to have her back and hired her as assistant AD, again, at the age of only 27. And from everything I've seen, she is an absolutely phenomenal recruiter and an absolutely integral part of multiple fantastic teams. And I just love hearing stories about that. So, you know, Total shout out to Katie Turner. Fucking awesome. And she'll definitely be an AD at the very least sometime soon. That's the kind of story that reminds me of the ones we talk about when we talk about people from the 1920s or 30s. Like, remember, Bill Vick's dad was just some guy that wrote into the team about how he thought he could do better. And so they hired him as the vice president. That kind of story where just someone's... For one, there has to be some level of innate brilliance in the way they're seeing it. Like it's, it you know, it's something that you learn, it's a skill that you develop, but there's got to be some innate skill there to build on. And then just taking that passion to, into every single open doorway they can possibly jam their foot into. It's great. That's but, a lot of memories you know, for us. I was going to say, what about, what about your memories, James? Yeah, What's I mean, I feel, we're talking about some careers there the, on the upswing with, with Maxi and with, with our young AD there. I want to talk about two retirements this week that really hit me. One just actually happened this evening. Uh, it is March 24th, 2022, which will forever be remembered as the day that Andrew Miller, reliever for several teams, seven teams over his career, uh, and, and in fact did not even spend a full season with the team that I root for. But Andrew Miller is one of the gods of the 2014 ALDS, which remains the high watermark of all of my years of Orioles baseball. Round one playoff series that's the best it's ever been. But my God, games one and two of that series were legitimately the best baseball games I've ever been to. Uh, and Andrew Miller was a big part of that. So he like is one of the biggest sea changes in playoff reliever usage when he goes on that 2016 run with Cleveland that eventually ends in the World Series loss to Chicago Cubs. But just the the like, hey, we're going to use our best guy any time that we want our best guy out of the bullpen and not just necessarily the ninth inning. That That's Andrew Miller, man. Love him. Also want to talk about a much younger retirement, someone younger than us who's already able to retire. I know who you're uh, talking about. Yeah, yeah. it's Ashley Barty, or Ash Barty, a tennis player from Australia, not just any tennis player. Up until earlier this week, the number one ranked tennis player in the world, who now at the age of 25 has retired, has become the second ever number one world-ranked female tennis player to retire at the top. Justine Hennen was the first ever one. She did eventually come back, which is 
Interesting, because this is actually not the first time that Ash Barty has stepped away. And that is why I found Ash Barty particularly interesting. She did take a break from tennis at one point after she won a junior championship at Wimbledon. She's still pretty young. Wanted to go back to Australia, have a life for a little bit. During that time, do you know what Ash Barty decided to fill her free time with? A brief professional stint in cricket. She had an absolutely dynamite first game performance with the Brisbane Heat, mate. Crikey. An absolutely phenomenal debut. She got 43 points and one six, a home run in cricket. Just a, a phenomenal one that she never again matched, but she did continue for like another season and a half to play with the Brisbane Heat before then coming back to tennis and in like two years being in the top 20 again and eventually finishing number one. She had won 25 of her last 26 matches and three of her last four events. She's got a Wimbledon championship, Australian Open championship, French Open championship, and she does have a U.S. Open doubles championship. So you know what? I think that counts as a grand slam. That's all four. And now she's going out because she's like, I don't have it in me to do what you have to do to compete at the highest level. And we love self-awareness of someone having just wrecked shit and then saying, all right, I'm good. I'm to live another life. Gotta respect someone who looks out for their own mental health, man. Mm-hmm. You gotta respect it, you know? I mean, that was that was the break the first time. She's like, yeah. I, I need to be a person for a little bit. Yeah. I can't just, like, spend all of these years being a professional tennis player. Get it. Yeah, Ashley Barty. We love you. Also, shout out to the fact that she is one of few professional indigenous Australian tennis players. Member of an aboriginal tribe from New South Wales. I don't want to try, I don't want to pronounce the name because I don't want to butcher it since it's not my native language but she is a member of an indigenous australian tribe which is I cool wonder, as shit i wonder if the cricket helped with the tennis or if the tennis helped with the cricket you know like footwork stamina i i, I don't really know much about cricket but, i know. mean i think it would mostly show up in the forearm strength needed to swing the thing real hard and, yeah. and hand-eye coordination as well you yeah know? sure i bet a Act- tennis player would be pretty good at like a random softball league yeah like you've you've got some talent there that is carrying over i'm not saying you can step into a major league batter's box anytime soon but like i bet venus williams cleans the fuck up in like just <laughs> beer softball league if you give them I would say give them one day, give them one hour in the batting cage. The first five to 10 minutes might be rough, but they're going to figure it out. And then they're going to, after that hour, they're going to be amazing. They've got the strength. They've got the eyes. It's the swing mechanics. Well, speaking of swinging the things, I mentioned that we've got a title shot for you, Mr. Medicinal. And I want to give a little bit more explanation about that. You've actually found a great time to make your intro and stumble into our show. We were just about to try and do our very first ever uh, For Your Consideration. I'm sure you know a little bit about us. We are the people forever chained to the Hall of Guy. It is our cursed and and eternal duty to continue to fill that with members. But we've been given a, a slight reprieve recently. It turns out that we can accept submission. And okay. what we would love to do is uh, apparently you've you've come to us with someone, as we understand it, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll put them up to a simple majority vote for our panel here as we change into our judges' robes. And I mean that's all there is to it. So, Mister Medicinal, if you if you want to kick it off, I'd love to remember a guy with you. Man, have I got the guy for you, guys? Actually, so WWE has a Hall of Fame, and they induct both. In an individual or stable or a group. And I figured, what best way to bring out the guy than with the group? 
So my group here is right to censor. Right to censor is a attitudes era staple. Now, if you want to look them up, like the picture that you'll see is probably four dudes and a girl in the middle, I, akin to a, a recent meme trend. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, the interesting we'll thing, <laughs> the interesting thing about right to Black censor Johnson. is that like they were a parody of parents television council who are worried about the morality of what was happening in WWE. So they would be sending messages to WWE about all the kinds of stuff that WWE was putting out at the time. And WWE was like, okay, we'll mock you. So they put out right to censor. The founder was Stevie Richards. Stevie Richards showed up. Well, you know, he was floundering in WWE in 1999, so he disappeared. He came back early 2000s, and he started just showing up randomly in people's matches. And he would, like, put a robe around scantily clad women. He would come in and interrupt a hardcore match. literally, he's coming in and censoring the matches. Yes, exactly. They're not just talking about it. They're doing it during the competition. Exactly. They're putting... Exactly. No, one... One question for you real quick. I Mm. understand that there was legal action between WWE and the Parents Television Council, if I'm not mistaken. Was it about this? Were they, like, mad about getting slandered? No, 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 no. I I believe that they did this because of that, you know? Yeah. I know that WWE eventually is is going to come out on top of that. They beat the Parents Television Council, but I don't know what becomes of these, these censor fellows. So... Stevie, he starts recruiting because he can't do it alone. And the real reason that brought me to this is the first person he brought into the group, probably the least known member of the group, Bull Buchanan. Bull Buchanan, I'll bring him back at the end. But his major notoriety is that he transforms the godfather in WWE to the good father. And this is very, very important because the godfather in WWE was a popular and okay, this is of the times. So we got to deal with me here a little bit, but he, yes, he had a hoe train with him. Like every time he came out. (laughs) Wait, yes. Yes. Yes, I do remember this guy. Yes, he had a whole train. God, what does it say that that's what jogged my memory? It's yeah. I didn't even watch WWE. I just remember someone saying the words whole train. <laughs> and this was a highly, highly popular character at the time. This was, I believe he was an intercontinental champion as the Godfather. Anyway, and it, again, the Godfather transformed from a character from the Nation of Domination. The real important thing here is that once... The Godfather loses to Bull Buchanan in a match. He becomes the Good Father, which is now the third member of our Right to Censor group. Now, Right to Censor is like, we still need one more person in our group to really bring it together. Enter Val Venus. Val Venus has a very, very interesting entrance to the ring. He has a very long towel. And when he enters it, he kind of gives you a very strip tease of taking off this towel. Like, this was the entertainment for the women. Can I hop in? I I love Val Venus. First of all, I just got to think what that name kind of sounds like. It's very (laughs) Val And his intro music. So just as we heard the cult of personality for the Doctor of Dank, Mr. Medicinal, the lion with us here, his walk-up song was just like your classic 
80s porn music. Yes. And nothing directly suggestive, but it would be like flowers blooming. Just a lot of a lot of inferences, let's say. A lot of inferences. A lot of that a lot of that very, I, very slowed down Seinfeld base. I see I see yes. you're a man of culture. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. I mean Val Venus. And then this yeah, so that's that's who this guy is originally. Yes. And now I mean you're telling me that he joins right the censor? Sort of. So Val Venus is going through a very interesting time in his career as well. He is a good guy because the women love Val Venus, you know, who wouldn't love Val Venus at this time. But he's losing. And he then gets abducted by Bull Buchanan and the Godfather. I want you guys to realize this, that Bull Buchanan is very integral to all the moving parts of right to censor like Steve yeah, Harris, he's he's given you at this point two of the people at least exactly. it, including this abduction stevie richards is giving you the promos he's the leader he's the like face of the organization but bull is doing the recruitment he's the right hand man now they abduct val venus and they transform him they are now in this ridiculous getup of tie and uh, button-down shirt, black tailored pants, but ridiculously with no sleeves. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, it's still wrestling. You know, you gotta show off the muscles. But they need, they need someone to give them sort of credibility. And this is where you get Ivory. Now, Ivory is very interesting because I actually did not know this until I was doing more with this research for right to censor ivory used to be a member of the ho train with the guy oh yeah i think she came up like it was one of her first wwe tv appearances was a member of the ho train but then she went to wrestling school she got better and at that time she was a two-time wwe women's champion and the two people she beat were deborah and the fabulous moolah which are not two random people but at the end of her second reign, she loses to a non-trained first-time WWE-like athlete in a four-corners evening gown match. Again, this is the state of WWE at the time. So, like, she starts... Can you just give us a, a brief explanation of what a four-corners gown match Evening gown match. So yeah, like, at least part of this is going to be that, if I may take a wild guess, they are probably wearing evening gowns when they start this match. They are wearing, I believe, lingerie underneath, and they have some sort of long robe, maybe a two-piece robe. I, I did not look up this match. I figured we'd leave it in the past. But if memory serves me correctly, the point of the match is to strip your opponent down to what's underneath the clothing. And I don't know why the four corners are mentioned. It may just be a tag thing, but this is a part of my research that you have stumped me on here. But she does lose this, which kind of transforms her character to start being more conservative. And this is early 2000. She starts this arc early 2000. Mr. Stevie Richards doesn't begin until July 2000. And this all culminates. October 2000 is when Ivory joins Right to Censor. In the next month, she wins her third championship with them. Now, I think they are remember the guy worthy because every member of this organization outside of Mr. Bull Buchanan has an incredible singles career. And this is a, 
a group that is formed from 2000 to 2001 in their run from July 2000 to April 2001. Whenever they were put in pay-per-view matches, at least one member of that team won in the pay-per-view. They had no losing record until WrestleMania 17, where every member of the team lost. And then they disbanded shortly after. That is my pitch. Okay. Tragic ending. I like that. I Sorry, I do have a postscript on this. I, I apologize. I bring back Mr. Bull Buchanan. Because I thought he looked familiar when I first saw him. I believe his last known appearances for WWE were as the bodyguard for the doctor of thugonomics, John Cena himself. Yes, yes. And second postscript, Ivory herself showed up in the 2022 Royal Rumble as her right to censor character, which only lasted a year in the height of WWE's like most popular era. And the crowd went crazy. And I don't even know if you guys have ever heard the right to censor theme music, but for a crowd to go nuts to that takes some sort of skill because it's basically car alarms with a voiceover going warning. And the crowd went crazy. I don't know. I think that's remember the guy worthy. I mean, let me just say, as a person that has been to hockey games, I do love random sirens and loud noises. (laughs) We are all Pavlovian dogs at stadiums. (laughs) Let's get real. We have have been trained our entire lives. If we hear the song before charge anywhere walking around, like, come on, you would say charge at the end of it, right? I've been halfway through a defense chant and not even realized that I was slapping my hands. I'll look down and be like, why are my hands hurt? And I'm like, oh, defense. I I think we have some follow-up questions. I think the council needs to to interrogate this a little bit further. Please, I I was waiting for this. I think my question is, is my favorite thing about wrestling is the narrative. There's nothing I love more than being told about what's going on in the narrative. If you can, I need you to provide me a little bit more with with what brought about the end of this, because I love the idea of Vince McMahon, particularly as Vince McMahon himself is becoming more of a character. Like, I love that this is this is as he is someone that is now on TV more and more. I I mentioned self-awareness with uh, Ash Barty. This is one of the maybe most self-aware things that Vince McMahon has ever done is this thing that even if it's meant to be a mockery is acknowledging, oh yeah, these are all the things that people don't like about wrestling. None of them are unfair points. We can disagree with it. Like, it's a fun thing to watch. All of that being said, back to my initial point, I'm very interested, in, and the genesis is incredibly cool, but I, I think I need a little bit more info, if you can, about how that kind of comes to a conclusion at WrestleMania 17. So, okay, it, it's more of an internal thing of their split, As you can see, at the time being in WWE, you had the Monday Night Wars with WCW. So part of the Attitude Era was needing to be more provocative, more raunchy. And to do the anti of that got not necessarily cheap heat, but it brought a sort of heat onto the heels. And as time wore on, that wears off. You can only go so far with mocking the people who are mocking you 
after a while people lose interest in there and here's the biggest thing is that like in that time period you had more popular stables you had dx you had the dudleys you had the hardy boys also fun fact members of right to censor beat both the dudleys and the hardys in a pay-per-view match during this streak of pay-per-view matches but i will say at that time there was just nothing else to continue with the story they kind of had done the thing that they needed to do which was kind of annoy you until wrestlemania you know wrestlemania is the culmination of all the storylines in wwe and their storyline had run its course the raunchiness was gonna win out that that was wwe's point and that was it i like that i like the idea of something being created that almost inherently has an expiration date and mm. and kind of playing into that i i have some things to mull over ds do you have any follow-up questions more of like a follow-up sentiment it's kind mm. of the what is indelible to the story of any stable in WWE is that stable is going to die eventually. It's going to die usually for one of two reasons. Either the members have gotten so good that they need to be able to launch into their solo careers. This sounds like that was part of the inspiration here. Or they suck. <laughs> and they fall off because they get kicked off the roster and it's like, we don't fucking care about these people. <laughs> like, Zack Ryder had a stable with somebody at some point. And the stable fell apart not because they yes. got launched. It was because they, WWE the major bros. Zack Ryder and Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Kurt Hawkins is in TNA slash Impact Wrestling currently, which is doing some of the most phenomenal work I've seen him do. And Zack Ryder is currently the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. He is having the most fire post WWE career I have seen of any wrestler, bar none. He is just doing things his own way, and it's amazing. Like. Sorry, continue. No, no, the original internet's champion. Honestly, Zack Ryder is somebody that I might be bringing up for future consideration. Zack Ryder is a guy. He can, is. Can, as internet culture started to take over, it was Zack Ryder saw his rocket to hang on to and shoot to the top. And it kind of worked. Didn't really work in WWE, but it's working now. Good. Yeah. I, had no idea, I had no idea he was uh, NWA champion. Good for him. Yeah. Well, Xavier, any uh, any follow-up questions for our for our presenter? Yeah, I just have one. You know, I'm definitely the least wrestling knowledgeable person here, but I am interested to know how, how many how many stables only last like a year just for one storyline? Because you know, I don't know too many. Like, I I, I know the New Day, Mister Xavier going. Woods, and Kobe They're Kingston. They're still going. Yeah, I know they've been around for a while, and then. Uh, AW has the Dark Order because I remember something with Adam Page that was apparently like really intense and wholesome. Uh, 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 yeah. But I don't know how long these usually. Is it normal for them to just have like we're bringing you out for one season to do this storyline, or is that like a rare thing that? Ooh, you're putting me in such a weird spot on that question. <laughs> it's a great question. I'm not gonna lie. The thing is that sports entertainment is different from sports in that the Outcomes are both predetermined and also made up on the fly. <laughs> no, I, 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 sh I shit you not. Sometimes, like, things happen that are unforeseen. For example, there was a program with Right to Censor in which they were going to add another female character to the group. I believe her name was Cat, Miss Cat. And before the storyline could progress more than, like, two or three weeks, she left the company. So things like that happen. But, like, let me put it in, re in reference. 
Nation of Domination, which in my head, in my childhood head, Nation of Domination went on for about four years in WWE history. And that's how that's how The Rock went from Dwayne Johnson to like The Rock. Nation of Domination lasted from November 1997 to November 1998 until The Rock was wow. like, yeah, right? Like, wow. that that is, sometimes they just, they achieve what they need to do in such a short amount of time that you have no choice but to like break it up and send the guys their separate ways. The problem with stables and with sports entertainment is that if a character doesn't work, another character might. I could throw out a name like Red Texas. No, Texas Red. Texas Red. And that could mean absolutely nothing to you. But that's The Undertaker's first character. You know? (laughs) Or like The Blue Chipper. That was The Rock's first character. And people fucking hated that guy. But I mean, even after that, like, it was Rocky... Mavia. Yeah. Yeah. Personas change often. Oh, my God. Wrestling, I think, was so pure before the internet, before people had a chance to know what was going on behind the scenes fully, because you had a chance to be surprised by it. Now I know so much, and it keeps me awake all the time. But, you know, that's a that's a discussion for another time. Uh, but to answer your question, Xavier, they vary in length. It just depends on literally striking the iron when it's hot. Like, it's, you go with it when it's hot. When it's not, you get rid of it. And you find a way to, like, when you're burying it, you're launching something else in the ashes of it. And that's what Thank WrestleMania you. really does. Thank you, Mr. Medicinal. You're welcome. I have one last question to pose to Diaz specifically. Because this has come up. And I want to make sure that we address it with him. Okay. Um, we, of course, <laughs> continued to have a team last time. We've inducted a team before with the Jamaican men's 1988 uh, bobsled team from the Winter Olympics. And you at the time said that you wanted that to be the only team. We agreed to keep this open. And I just want to make sure that we're taking time to acknowledge that and continuing to keep in mind whether or not we're setting a precedent with that because I don't want you to to feel railroaded or anything here. May I interject? No. Please, Mr. (laughs) (laughs) I would argue that stables are not teams. Only because in a stable, you can have tag teams as well. Now, Bull Buchanan's only actual championship in WWE came as a tag team champ. Whereas everyone else in that group held singles championship post right to censor. I consider, I consider stables different. They're a microcosm of a team, but I don't consider them... I would say that a stable would be like the Fab Five because they're not the whole team, but they're what you remember of the team. You know, the stable isn't like the whole of the group. It's just like, no, that makes it worse. That's actually I can't. That's a terrible. No, I I kind of get get what you're what where where you're coming on this because it feels like you know with a team you have everyone trying to reach a certain end. But with a stable, really, it's people using it as a stepping stone for a whole bunch of different things that might have nothing to do with the other members of the stable. So it feels less like a team than a group of people that are all trying to do the same thing. My guy, special guest Xavier, is right on the money there. Because going to AEW, they have a stable here called The Pinnacle. And The Pinnacle is led by MJF. It has Wardlow, it has FTR, and I believe they have Sean Spears, the chairman. And FTR has been doing their own thing 
as tag team champions down in Mexico. MJF has been in a feud with kind of his own crew member, Wardlow, and CM Punk. And Sean, well, Sean Spears has also been in a feud with Wardlow. So, like, stables will inevitably collapse within themselves. So I don't think they are a good recollection of a team because they are individuals who are... Ugh, I don't know. The more here's I describe... What I think, here's what I think we've reached is, is the fundamental question. Mm. The stable is some kind of snapshot. It's a crystallized moment. It's like a season of something. There's definitely a character aspect to it. It is yeah. as much a character as any individual wrestler is a character. They're all characters. Yes. But the fundamental question I think we have to ask ourselves, Council, we love the story, we love the qualifications, but is this a guy? It's not not a guy because of the story behind it. Just structurally, are we honoring a guy? It is a good question, and this is what... I want to put forward i would be okay with the whole stable going in however i want us to be let's be open to dividing these people up because the only person in right the censor that i would for sure vote yes on is val venus i would vote yes on val venus i would 100 percent do buchanan because i love a good glue guy so we've got at least two at that point like if you're going val venus i'm 100 percent in on buchanan as as the presenter i would 100% do Ivory because I think she gave the group credibility and while she was in the group she won her third championship as a member of this group against Lita who is a Hall of Famer, Trish Stratus who is a Hall of Famer, and Jacqueline who in my opinion should be a Hall of Famer. Those are not three women you easily beat. And I think she is actually the glue that kept this group going all the way until WrestleMania. So I would say that she is the person that I would vote for. So that's three. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. If we're going for three, you, we can't pick the three from the team that doesn't include the founder of the team. We, I don't think we can exclude that person. So I think on each of their individual merits, if each of us has, like, if we're all gravitating towards different ones, if all of them have elements that are speaking to us then I am willing to be the first one to go on record. We can go through a Sarah final piece and say, but I'll go ahead and say on record, if that's how we approach this and, and there are no further issues with, with the entity it is that we are inducting, I will vote yes into okay. in, for admission uh, for, for right to censor. So I was actually swayed by what you said, James, where Buchanan is the glue guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm only going to vote for one of these guys. And I am voting for Buchanan to go in. I am a no on the others. Because, I mean, honestly, when you started talking about the individual success of Ivory, that got me thinking, you know, if these were champions, then they're too good to be guys. But if Buchanan mm. was not a champion, that makes Buchanan a guy. Buchanan. Especially in WWE context. Any WWE or WWF at the time wrestler that ever held a world singles championship themselves they're too good to be a guy. WWE believed in them too much for them to be a guy. That's where I come down. So That's a we'll good point. Because of the decision-making that goes into it, that's a very good point. It is Someone consciously like said, this person wins. Right, so, so Buchanan's in. Buchanan's got two votes. Xavier. I will say, yeah, no. So Buchanan's only claim to fame in the major professional wrestling organizations is a tag team championship in WWE. 
So what? Yeah. What better stable member to put forth than one who only reached the heights of his industry as a member of a team? Well, I will say at some point I would like to revisit Ivory because I think there's a lot to be said about her because she's like the least mentioned. Actually, Jacqueline as well. So like I'll come back to those two at one point. Uh, well, and, but, and hey, they're not necessarily out of it yet, Xavier. You've got votes. Yeah, you yeah, can decide I, I on the other that. three. Yeah, I'm like, I'm I, trying I to get you in here. Uh, there's, remember, there's more than just four people in this. There is five, at least, possibly six, if you include a couple weeks of cat. But the, the, the thing that really swayed me to, you know, the thinking that I'm about to explain is that all of these people have had 20 to 30 plus year careers. This, what Mr. Benistel brought up, was a small snapshot, a storyline for one year or so of it. And I don't think it's right to induct an individual, like any one individual from this team, because I don't think, like, if we were going to do them on an individual basis, we would have to go through much more about their whole careers. But I think that right to censor is itself a character. It's not, it's not a team. It, it is a character from WWE, from the storyline, or WWF uh, at the time, possibly. I can't, remember, I can't remember what they changed. But I think that right to center as, as, a, as a group, as a character, that's what Mr. Medicinal so eloquently you know, presented to us. And I think that as a character, I would vote for it. Not any individuals who, you know, I only know 1% of their career. I know all of Right to Censor now. And I think Right to Censor is hilarious and I like it a lot. <laughs> I mean, Xavier, if it's, I, I vote for all members of Right to Censor. And even if only one of them gets a vote from Diaz, Xavier, if you're doing the same, then that's two out of three. Diaz, I know this might pain you a little bit. Do you still want to do the honors? Listen, the committee isn't perfect. No democracy is perfect. Sometimes democracy gets some things wrong. <laughs> in this one third of the voting body members' opinion, you missed one here, folks. We missed Oof. a couple. But it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the committee thinks. And the committee has voted with great consideration to induct all members of Right to Censor into the Hall of Guy. Come on down. Come on down. Val Venus, come on down. Ivory, come on down. Buchanan, why don't you be the first on stage? It's time that you get some shine yourself. All of them, they're, they're here, folks. They're, they're smiling. They're happy. Val, keep the towel on, buddy. <laughs> you're excited, but you need to keep the towel on. And just remember, I, I like I like that he comes out as Val Venus and not as like the right to censor character. <laughs> he comes out with the towel. <laughs> He's, you know, it, 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 He's it, put it that part shows, behind him. It shows how committed he is to a bit when the bit is going on. But when the bit is not going on, it's time to be my true phallic self. Fair enough. See, I just picture it as the Dream Team members getting inducted. So you have some members of the Dream Team who are in the Hall of Fame two times, three times, because they're inducted in individual capacities and as the Dream Team. This is Val Venus as white button shirt with no sleeves and the tailored black pants version. <laughs> this, is the, very good. this is the right to censor group. And we can talk about Val Venus oh, that's what the as Val Venus be. another 100% time. the black will be that. I would like to mention that I believe Ric Flair is in the Hall of Fame twice. 
as Ric Flair and then as a member of wait is he a member of two stables yeah he's a member of the four horsemen who are I believe are in the WWE Hall of Fame and as himself as Ric Flair yeah it's, Woo! It, yeah as they do in Ric Flair land anytime someone gets chopped right across the chest you'll hear an audience go Woo! it's it's just it's a it's a staple of wrestling now Ooh, that's a never mind okay my brain. It's all good. It's I, Hey, you know what? It's been a pleasure having you, Mr. Medicinal. And if you've got more to say, we'd love to have you back sometime. It's a pleasure having you here, listener, to, to join us for our first four-year consideration. I think it was a wonderful topic brought forth today. Uh, any of you guys got anything you want to say on the way out here? Let's go USA. I, go Let's USA. go USA. Go USA. And I'm glad that Colin Gillespie Sr. for Villanova just looked like he almost had a horrific knee injury. He was His scream of agony was terrible. But he's running, and he seems okay. So just as we gave you the live Devontae Adams breaking news last week, I'm going to be the live Colin Gillespie card for Villanova is hopefully okay. 13.4 seconds remaining. Is Nova's presumably going to win. Be on the lookout. So Jade Cargill, AEW, TBS champion. She is basically kind of a rookie, but she is a star. She is going to be a superstar, and she's going to be a household name in five years. Gable Stevenson. Yeah, yeah, Gable Stevenson. He's the Gable yeah, Stevenson. wrestler. Yeah, he just he signed Real a, He signed an NIL deal to WWE. Just won his second collegiate title. 285 pounds. Does a backflip and moves like a cruiserweight. Good luck to the rest of the WWE roster because this man is going to run through you. He's going to be the next big thing. So those are my and Olympic gold medalist. He's an Olympic yeah, and gold medalist. Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> and yeah. Olympic gold medalist. He's like Brock. Le- he's the Kurt Angle prodigy now. He's Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar rolled into one, and that is terrifying. I'm excited. My last bit here, I'll just say, hey, if you want to see a bunch of really awesome photography of AEW, go ahead and check out at Photo LW. That's Heels Have More Fun. It's the closest you can possibly get photo-wise to the ring. So highly recommend that for AEW fans. But that's all we've got here this week, folks. I have been one of your hosts, James. I've been the very special guest, but not the only guest, Xavier. I've been Mr. Medicinal. And I'm Diaz. And as Jim Ross once famously said, Good guy, almighty! (laughs) 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 If I